Hey everyone, what the heck is up and welcome to the podcast. Welcome back if you are a returning listener. You're currently tuned into Practical Alignment, a podcast where we talk about all things metaphysical, mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. I'm your host, Katrina Macias. I'm an intuitive healer, a Qigong instructor, and a Simra practitioner, and I am so grateful to be joining you today. So for this week's episode, we are joined also by a special guest. Her name is Marlena Wolf, who is a gardening consultant and mentor, and she teaches people how to grow their own food and use gardening as an intuitive practice to allow you to fully engage with nature and nurture abundance. Marlena Wolf has spoken on panels and has also been featured in the Hobby Farmer book, the Courier Journal, and the Edible Louisville magazine. So she is an awesome lady, and I'm just so fortunate that she has decided to pop on and share some amazing advice for all of us. Something that I've noticed is that a lot of people right now are returning back to their roots and reconnecting with nature. And so I think that the information and the things, the gifts, the magic that she shares is so necessary for the collective to hear about. I definitely need some advice on gardening myself because I want to do better and grow my own food as well. So I thought, you know, why can't I just incorporate this into a lesson for myself and for my amazing listeners? So without further ado, here's my interview with Marlena Wolf on intuitive gardening. All right, everyone, I am currently joined with Marlena Wolf, who is a gardening consultant and mentor, and she has graciously decided to join me for this week's episode. I'm so excited to have her, or we became friends on Facebook in a group called Chardonnay and Slay Your Business, and ever since then, Marlena has been on my radar. Um, And one of the main reasons that I wanted to speak with her today is because Ever since COVID, I've kind of been seeing such a spike in people using their own home gardens and learning how to plant for themselves and really reconnecting with nature and just these natural things that um, we normally used to do back in the day. And I think ever since um, there was a big scare around supermarkets and getting produce, people decided to take it back into their hands. And so I definitely have been gardening a lot more. I have my basil plant right over there. But there's so much to learn and there's so much that I'm so excited for you to teach us. So thank you so much for joining. Oh my gosh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Definitely. <laughs> so can you... It's amazing how many people you can meet online and how connected you can get. Great. Absolutely. Yeah, the internet is great. <laughs> Especially when you know when to disconnect from it too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you do intuitive gardening. Can you explain to us what that really means to you? Mm, sure. Um, I feel like gardening became an intuitive part of my life after doing it for a bit, maybe like a couple years, (laughs) because I didn't have a garden growing up at all, and, um, you know, I just got into um, some health problems and looked around and kind of learned. I I thought out a holistic medicine doctor, and he kind of just educated me that the food that I was eating just wasn't nutrient dense. Mm. Um, and then I looked around and I felt like there was a lot of, um, food accessibility issues in my community and I just got a fire under me about, um, like local food production and decided to walk away from corporate America and get into 
like farmers markets and market gardening and like small farm veggie production and stuff. And um, you know, it's like after you know, I did it. I took an apprenticeship and then worked for a farmer for a year, and then I started Girl Next Door Farm. So I owned and operated my own farm for four years. Wow. <laughs> um, that was amazing, right? Um, and it became intuitive, like, over time, you know, you start to feel this, like, seasonal rhythm, uh, uh, spring, summer, and fall, and which crops are planted when, and, you know, when they're ready to pick, and when they need water, and when there's a problem, or when they're healthy, or... You know, like it just starts to, you start to be able to identify things more easily, you know, because you're paying attention, mm. you know, you're, you're spending time with it, you're nurturing this thing, you're bringing life out of this tiny seed and soil, you're like the steward of it all, you know, you are <laughs> the one, you know, fostering this relationship, essentially, and so, um, because you care, right, like for me, I wanted to, like, provide healthy food for my community. I wanted the benefits produced by um, homegrown food picked right out in the backyard. Um, I wanted all those benefits, and so it was very motivating and inspiring to me to pay attention and see what the needs were so that I could, you know, provide the best, you know, food for me and my family and my community, so... I don't know, intuitive just felt right. And, you know, I, I shifted into having a family. Um, and so the farm was on a hiatus for years. And then I and then I got inspired at the Chardonnay and Play Summit of Play Conference back in August of 19, 2019. And I got the idea that I could educate people on how to grow food. And I just, like, haven't looked back. Like, I've just been obsessed about it because I didn't think there was a way <laughs> with farming because I had... Like, I was the sole proprietor. I mean, I did all the tractor work. I did all the sales. You know, like, I couldn't do any of that vomiting on the couch, right? Or with a, being pregnant with an infant. Like, none of that was working well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just didn't know how I could get back to it. It was actually really, actually, it was kind of a grieving period. And when I got the idea that I could share my, you know, knowledge and expertise with people, um, I started to do some research and ask questions and started having conversations. And I realized how how this the growing food and gardens um, was kind of a lost art. And people were very confused and don't, don't have any concept of when and how and all that. And so, I don't know, when I started thinking about it and working on educating people, like the, the intuition of it all just kept coming up in my heart, like that that's what happened the more you do anything, you know, it becomes a more intuitive rhythm in your life. And it's easy to, it just becomes easier, you know, that's all. So That's so incredible. I think it's such a big step. You know, it's very courageous, I think, to step away from corporate America, like you said, because it's so accessible. It's so easy. And right now, society, the collective is leaning towards that, except now I do see that there's a shift and we're going back to our roots once again. And we're falling back more into our own intuition and trusting and building things with our own hands and seeing how that own creation is so much more beneficial. Mm-hmm. You're right. There's a huge shift going on right now toward knowledge-based business, green initiatives, um, crafting. You know, people yes. being able to support that industry, and it's beautiful <laughs> for creatives like us. So, 
what do you think the benefits are for doing home gardening as opposed to just shopping at your local or not local grocery store but let's say grocery stores where shipments come in from all over the world in mass production yeah gosh there's so many i feel like growing a garden is a very sensual activity as in that it engages all your senses Mm. and so for me, when I go into a grocery store, it can be very sterile. Mm. I'm not getting the the natural temperature. I'm not getting the smells. I'm not getting the the wind or the sun on my back or the wind on my face. You know, I'm not embracing, like, the smell of the tomato plant or the squash plant. You know, it's not just, it's, you know, it's separated. Mm. It's separate at the grocery store. But when you have it in your green space and you've converted that to something edible, it, it's very, very sensual. It's very, you know, the smell, the taste. Um, and so the taste is typically superior, um, you know, because it's at the height of its freshness. You know, once you pick a vegetable, it starts, the enzymes start to die. And, you know, and so when they're transported a long, long way, mm. it's not at its optimal freshness or ripeness or flavor. It's losing nutrients along the journey. Um, you know, and you've got a ton of, um, oh, emissions too, you know, because I'm kind of an environmental minded person. Like, Mm -hmm. I like to conserve nature. Like, nature has always been my happy place. And so I think about, you know, how, what's my food footprint? And it's like, I don't really want to get something that's coming all the way overseas. Like, that doesn't feel right for me. Um, and like I said, the studies show that the nutrient density is like at its peak, like when you pick it. Um, yeah. And you can grow so many like local varieties to your local area that will not be in a, a large chain grocery store because they're not real mainstream. Mm-hmm. And that's like equally as fun and as awesome. You can <laughs> find the neatest varieties of like heirloom tomatoes or yellow watermelon or, you know, like just some things that purple peppers, you know, that you don't see in the grocery, and it's just very exciting food, for one, excites me. (laughs) Fresh food, smell good food, herbs, you know, like, I love to eat good quality food, Mm. yeah, you don't get that at the grocery store. Not that you don't get quality food, I don't mean that, I just mean the whole, like, feel, the whole experience is different, that's all. I totally think that's so interesting because we almost pride like the fact that grocery stores do have these exotic fruits and different things because we you know they come from all over the world but what about the local stuff that you never try like that I've never thought of that before (laughs) well and it definitely does encourage you to to think more locally and Mm -hmm. eat more seasonally when you garden because you know that when you go to the big chain store in December, in this area, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, zone six, that you're not really going to be eating a fresh tomato. Yeah. That'll grow around here from that time of year. You know what I mean? And so it does kind of make you a little more leery, like, makes you more conscientious of your seasonal eating, for sure. And, it, you know, I tend to reduce imported, like, citruses and stuff like that, like, in the summer, and go heavier on the local stuff, and then kind of supplement more in the winter with, like, you know just to have a balance I'm not a purist right like I just try to do the best practices and for me 
I tried to grow in accordance to my principles and eat, you know, um, in a way that made me feel like I was making good choices. Ethically, nutritionally, um, yeah. I definitely also see, like, uh, a spike in my gratitude when I eat the things that I make myself, because I'm like, holy shit, I made this, like, it's incredible, <laughs> you nurture it, exactly like you said, it's so intimate, and you build with it, and so it just makes it so much more special, um, could you actually brief us on the importance or how eating with the seasons is really beneficial? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I feel like that could be kind of a sciencey question, but I guess just the cliff notes <laughs> is the same reason to have a garden, really, is that you're eating what's been produced near you to reduce emissions, to reduce mm. travel time, you know, so that you're not getting something that was produced 2,000 miles away. I mean, it's kind of the same concept. You know, is that you're trying, and you kind of keep your money in your local economy too, when you don't support like the big import. I also so, reckon that there's this a reason why we have specific vegetables at specific times of the year, right? Like how that helps our anatomy, um, right? I think it is an anatomy science question. I think there's an answer to that. I just don't <laughs> actually explain it. I don't remember, but there is an answer to that. Yeah, and it has to do with how you digest and. You know, what your body needs with the lack of sun in the winter and then, you know, mm. and vitamin D in the summer. And I, I don't know. I really can't answer that. <laughs> That's something I'll have to look into for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm also curious, because this really is a big step to decide not only for you to grow for yourself, but grow for your community and then eventually teach people, you know, online about how to grow their own gardens, how to help with all of this that you've grown to love yourself. And so in this process, what do you think is the biggest lesson or most important lesson or just biggest takeaway from starting something on your own and following your passion and deciding to take this jump? Whew, I think when something's in your heart, you just can't not nurture it. Mm. <laughs> like... You know, I've been an entrepreneur since 2011. I get ideas, and then I get obsessed about the ideas. <laughs> and then I pray about the ideas. <laughs> and then the ideas happen, right? Mm -hmm. Then I take action on the ideas. <laughs> it's like a train that just propels you in your heart. It's like when you have um, something that inspires you or moves you or whatever, it's almost like you can't say no to it. So um, lessons, I guess lessons since that point have been, you know, there's going to be a lot of dips and a lot of levels and a lot of peaks, you know, plateaus, peaks, and, and, and dips, uh, valleys, and to try to maintain your spirit and your energy during the low points, right, and to be grateful for the high points. You know, uh, or to be grateful when you're in a low spot because you know you're, you're, you're cultivating something new, right? Something's churning, something's changing, something's shifting. You know, maybe something didn't feel right, and so now you're having to go do some work on it, you know, because it can look like, oh, the website wasn't converting or that email sequence wasn't uh, what it should have been, right? But it's really the messenger, 
typically use the entrepreneur or the business owner that, you know, have to communicate your message in a way that moves and inspires people. And when your energy isn't right, then you're not pouring that good juju into your <laughs> copy or your content creation or your interactions and your relationships and all that. You know, so a huge part of it is personal development, prayer, meditation, personal development, prayer, meditation, audiobook, personal meditation, whatever. <laughs> like trying to get what's going on between my head, like happy, healthy, grateful, spiritually centered, so that I can relay a message to who I want to talk to. Right? You know, learning who your ideal clients are, working on growing that, um, speaking to the, the people that need to hear your message. Uh, it takes practice. And I've been in sales a long time, too, before all this. And it was like, you know, basically sometimes you just got to throw your message at the wall and see how much sticks, you know, and kind of just take chances, you know. So it's a lot of, Learn on the go. Yeah. You know. Definitely. And continuing to train yourself, you know, and to, to be trainable and to be teachable um, has been a huge lesson. I agree with that. I like how it, being an entrepreneur, forces you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. <laughs> it's like it yeah. requires you to keep learning, keep trying, keep doing all these different things because you want to show up and carry out what you know people need. Yeah. Absolutely. I love how you were saying, you, we spoke about this a little bit earlier, how you linked um, the moments of plateau or the moments when you're just kind of not at necessarily at your high points. Um, and you likened it to your garden and how sometimes your garden isn't always blossoming or blooming. And you speak about this more when you do your farm meditation. So could you share a little bit about that experience and what you teach during your farm meditations? Yeah. You know, I've been practicing meditation for, gosh, probably 15 years. And I really like guided meditation because I like structure <laughs> and I like direction. And, I'm, you know, and so those have always been more um, in alignment with my type of, like, so, you know, um, I thought it would be a great idea to travel around to various farms in our area or surrounding counties and have, you know, a guided farm meditation because there are so many parallels with the growing season and our experiences in life and my personal experiences, you know, and, um, and how, like, it can... There's so much transformation, mm -hmm. essentially, throughout the seasons of our lives and throughout the actual growing season. Um, and so it's like, you know, you're nurturing, you're always nurturing some kind of seed, some kind of idea, some kind of dream or goal. You're nurturing something. And then it starts to sprout, you know. And it looks just like a, it looks like you're making something out of nothing. You know, it's a field. You're just you, you know, then all of a sudden you start to change. People start to notice. And then, you know, your field or your garden goes from a big um, plot of dirt to, like, all these sprouts everywhere, different shapes, different colors, 
you know, and then they start to mature and grow, and they can bear, like, really heavy fruit, you know, like, they can, they can withstand the storm, you know, they can, like, provide, you know, it's just miraculous, you know, kind of like people, and, and when we go through pain, or when we go through growth, like, it's growing pain sometimes, it's not always, it doesn't always feel good, or, you know, like, there's change, constant uh, change, and so... And then, you know, once the, once the plant comes to its life cycle, you know, it starts to decompose and slow down in its productivity, and, um, and it goes back to the soil, and then there's the winter, and everything looks desolate, nothing's growing, but the soil is actually the most active it ever is in the wintertime. Really? All the little soil biology is busy, 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 working, decomposing, happy, happy, happy. And so, like, when I think of it, it's like, oh, my gosh, we all kind of have this, maybe it's not a hibernation thing, but reflective, in, you know, internal kind of inner work that is required for us to grow healthy in our elements, you know, and be the person that we want to grow into. Like, we have to do a lot of internal nurturing and feeding, you know, and breaking down. And so, um, to me, there's just a lot of... Um, ways to, like, let the seeds in our hearts germinate as they do in the garden. And, yeah, so the meditations are great just for kind of, we talk about, you know, removing emotional blocks and, you know, what's standing in your way and, you know, where do you want to be growing and just to kind of visualize and kind of be grounded in those transformative visions, you know, and try to, yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's so the symbolism is so incredible and just how it's so obvious and yet sometimes we just forget to see it um one of the things that i mentioned in one of my episodes the other day is like you can't just force a tree to grow faster by criticizing it and you can't do the same with your crops or your vegetables the only way that you can get things to grow healthily and flourish is by nurturing it and giving it what it needs and giving it patience right and so, <laughs> yeah, mic drop on that. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, there's just so much that we can learn from being in nature, exactly as you're doing. And so I think we could all use a little more of that. <laughs> wow, beautiful analogy. You have to nurture it, criticize it. Gosh, wow. And it's like a patience thing too. Definitely, most definitely. So you know, because I think. You start your business, you expect all of a sudden to have a money rolling in and you're viable and everybody loves you. Well, it don't work like that. Same with the seed. You go pop that seed in, you walk out tomorrow, nothing's going to be happening. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time. <laughs> <laughs> time and love is all it takes. <laughs> so for someone who's looking to start, you know, dabbling more into gardening and connecting in the ways that you do. Uh, you mentioned that there's some information that you're so graciously sharing with us about growing windows and fall gardening. So what can us at home gather? What, what information is important for us to know right now in order to really hone in on this practice and get the most that we can from your advice? Okay. I think the first thing that you need to know is what hurting a zone you're in and the hurting a zone is just like a designation that the um, 
you know, United States Agricultural Department, USDA, um, designated for like growing windows in various places. So you can Google it. Like, what's my hardiness zone? Right? Hardiness zone? What and you'll find hardiness. H A R D I N E S S. Hardiness. Hardiness. Okay, sorry. And what you need to find with that, and they'll tell you, you're like, I'm in zone six in Louisville, Kentucky. And there's like 12 zones or something from southern U.S. to Canada. Um, and what you're going to find is like your growing window. And what, what that means is like to know your first average spring, your last average spring frost date and mm. your first average fall frost date. So you know like when you can safely plant. So that would be my first suggestion is find out where you, you know, where that is for you. Um, and then make sure you can find a sunny place outside. Most veggies like six to eight hours of sun every day. Um, some can deal with four, but you really want like full sun. Um, and you want to amend your soil or take a soil test or sample. I think that's huge just to kind of like know what you're working with. If you have a healthy soil biology, you won't have a lot of pest pressure, like bugs, you won't have disease problems, like you're going to have healthy prolific plants with high yields. So like there's university labs that do, like I use the county extension office, there's third party labs that will test your soil for you so you know like what it needs before you go planting. Um, okay, so yeah, um, once you do all that. <laughs> uh, kind of a lot of pressure. Okay. I'm trying to get you guys on the fast track, okay? <laughs> <laughs> find your sun, find your hardiness zone, and then, you know, look Google fall crops, right? Because for our area, that's beef, carrots, garlic, you know, spinach, lettuces, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, you know, whatever. Nice. So radishes, um, Brussels sprouts. So, you know, you got to kind of see what your, your growing window is and look what the day is, right? Because today, I think it's August 6th. So, um, here in my area, our, our first average fall crop is until like October 30th. So, um, and a lot of the cold weather crops can deal with frost anyway. So, um, August to September to October. Ooh, that's only two months from now. Two and a half months. So that definitely shortens your growing window, right? So you can grow short growers. Um, like right now, you can totally um, plant like all the broccoli family, like the cabbage, cauliflower, um, kale, yeah, cabbage, kohlrabi, turnips, all that. You can totally do that now. Lettuces can go out really soon, like I'd say August 15th around here. And then you can even wait till September to put some stuff in the ground because they're short growers. Like radishes take like 30 days, and that's it. Wow. Um, spinach, lettuce, like baby lettuce greens, 30 days. So you can totally get that in and get that out. Um, and it'll regrow too when you harvest it. You just cut it at the base and you pick it, and it'll regrow up until it freezes, right? And yeah. so it's like super tasty, super delicious. Carrots and beets, they take like 60 days, so you're pushing it a little bit more on those. But there's ways to extend your season, too. You can always cover stuff up for 60 degrees, you know. So if you're, like, inspired, like, there's totally time to grow stuff still. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. I'm about to plant Richard, um, broccoli, and kale, and carrots. I'm still going to do that. And garlic. Oh, my God. Garlic grows. You planted it in October. Garlic. Oh, my God. It's a nine-month grower. Oh, what? It goes around October. You overwinter it, and it's not ready until, like, June. That's Get insane. you some local garlic, people. Get you some garlic. Okay. That's a fun thing to plant. For every little clove you plant, you get a bulb. Okay. At the end of that time. That's some serious waiting. <laughs> so my thing that I always do is I'll just assume everything can be planted at home, like in indoors. <laughs> is that wrong? I always start everything indoors, and then I kind of just don't do anything afterwards. That's a great question. Okay. Yeah, um, I actually have a whole, like, training module just about what is better to be directly sown outdoors into the ground versus it started inside and transplanted out later as a plant. Um, And, you know, the considerations for that um, have to do with, like, the delicacy of the root structure. Like, a a carrot is a root crop, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't transplant as well because you're disturbing the roots when you remove the plant from the tray that you started it in. You know, beets are the same way. Onions, kind of the same way. Um, Radishes, same way. You know, so there's a lot of kind of similarities in that. Um, And then other things are just like super fast growers, and so it's just like you don't even need to start it inside because it's going to grow so fast anyway. It doesn't matter. Like cucumbers, squashes, winter squash, um, watermelons, Cantaloupe, like you put those outside, they're gonna they're gonna sprout up quickly and they're gonna grow quickly. So it's kind of like a waste of time and space to mm-hmm. start them inside. But you, but if you the benefit of starting them inside is you still you know can get a jump start on the season. Maybe you put them maybe you start them inside before that frost date you know has transpired in your area. And so then once that frost date goes out, you can go and pop the plants in it and you're gonna be a couple weeks before everybody else. So. I see. That makes sense. Yeah, I think the only reason why I do them inside is convenience. Like, I think <laughs> that I can hack it, but it does make sense that their their environment should be, you know, where they're usually grown, which is outside. So I think I'll definitely, definitely this fall plant something. I do feel a little inspired to try something out. And when, when I do that, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> yeah, please do. And another thing with growing indoors or starting seeds inside is if you don't have like a south-facing window where maybe you get like eight hours of sun like through the window, like mm-hmm. shining in on the floor, then you might need a grow light. You know, like I purchased a grow light, like a halogen light, maybe you can use fluorescent. And in that case, you're going to need 18 hours of light. Oh, wow. Artificial light, you need about 18 hours. If it's direct sun through the window, you need eight. And um, I even bought, like, a little heated mat this year, which is something you lay on your table, and it warms the soil up for optimal germination conditions. (laughs) This is deep. When I farmed, I had, had, like, a germination chamber and, like, a greenhouse. So, like, but when you do it on a home scale, you don't have all that. So, but the problem with not using the right amount of light is your plants can become leggy. You know, have you seen that? Where your, your little sprout shoots up really fast and tall, and then it gets a little bit of the leaves on it, and then it starts to droop over. Definitely. Because the, the stem is not strong enough. 
And so they get kind of oh, leggy. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> They're weak. They become weak and they don't always grow well. You want a nice sturdy plant and the, the sun is um, the most important thing with that. Mm-hmm. And of course, more, moisture is good on the soil and ventilation helps. You know. There's so many things. You gotta layers. go all in. Yeah. There's you gotta so go all in. I think I will this fall. If you want to nurture a plant, call me. I'll help you. Okay, definitely. Yeah, so I would love for you to tell us how we can reach you. You now have your Reap What You Sow program and also an e-course that's available for people who want to learn more about home gardening. So I'd love for you to tell us about it so we can connect with you if it's calling to us. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the Reap What You Sow um, e-course is perfect for beginners. And even intermediate growers, actually, uh, that just want to improve your game, your food growing game. Um, you know, it kind of takes you all the way from different growing philosophies, like organic versus non-organic, to like the dirt on soils and all the things that you need to think about and soil preps and um, optimal soil conditions and um, the plant families, so you know, like when to plant or how close or their needs are like nutritionally mm. just like we are like our bodies need nutrition so do they and so there's a lot of talk about fertilization and um nutrients and stuff and that for me is fun like that used to intimidate me but now it's like a great part of the program that like is very inspiring for people like i've had people take the class that have been growing for years and they've got more done in those three months mm. than kind of in that three month window than they have in years so it's, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from it. Um, so, yeah, even if you're a container grower, if you're doing raised beds, or if you have an in-ground plot, like, it's applicable on all those fronts. Um, and it's just super empowering with timing and just kind of keeping it broken down and giving you the fundamentals so that you can just start wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the program is kind of like VIP to the e-course. And that's for local folks primarily. You can tune in via Zoom. You don't really have to be local, but that's like kind of the exciting part of it is we have, um, in addition to the e-course, we meet six times over three months. So you get like 90 days of support from me, uh, you know, like a direct mentor with your specific situation and growing philosophies in mind. Um, and it's six workshops. We just had a composting workshop, a medicinal herbs workshop. We're doing a hydroponic um, a pickling workshop. So we're kind of trying to like take the garden to the next level, right? Like you get all the basic fundamentals, you get going, we're learning about management, we're learning about maintenance, we're learning about, you know, natural pest and disease control. And then it's like, oh my God, I've got all this food. Like, what am I going to do with it now? <laughs> like, so, true. Ah! so we're trying to kind of help people in different capacities, you know, in kind of different directions with how, to, how it's going to go. So, yeah, if that's interesting to you, go to my website. It's www.guidanceforgrowers.com. We actually are doing a free four-day homegrown challenge right now. If you're not sure that this is for you and you want to get a little bit more information and kind of see what my teaching style is like and what kind of info I'll provide, click on that link and, you know, put your email in there and we'll get that ball rolling. Um, So, yeah, gosh, what else about the homegrown challenge? Or no, about the program. Oh, last time we had 12 ladies and we had a blast. Like, it was a, it was just fun. Like, we just laughed a lot and, like, 
you know, like, it was great. Everybody got to grow and got to know each other, um, like, during the program. And, you know, five of the original, like, spring series rolled into the summer series now, because this is the second time we've run the program portion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, five alumni. And so this is kind of like a little bit accelerated version, but still with all the um, training of the e-course. So, yeah, and, you know, a little bit of the uh, minutia about it. I think it's four hours of training, one hour of, like, different demos, demonstrations and stuff, because this kind of work is very visual mm-hmm. um, and hands-on. Um, and then you get all the Zooms, so that's all pre-recorded live conversations and trainings, too, and that's, like, over 10 hours. That's, like, 15 hours or something. Um, yeah, so it's a total bargain. We try to make it affordable for folks. We do, like, a payment option this time around and stuff, so... Yeah, so find me, guidanceforgrowers.com. I'm on um, Instagram. That's my handle, Guidance for Growers. I have a Guidance for Growers Facebook group, and then I'm Marlena Wolf on my personal and my business page on Facebook. Perfect. And that's pretty much where I'm at. Everything will be listed in the show notes so everyone can have a direct link to what you're doing. I think it's such an incredible resource for you to put this all in one place because it can definitely 100% feel overwhelming to hear all these things and be like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) gardening's overwhelming, but you found a way to make it simple and understandable and a community even, which I think is so necessary. Getting back to our roots, connecting with the people around us, feeding the people around us, and feeding ourselves with these like beautiful, amazing things that we've grown and we've created and that we've worked with <laughs> nature to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful and it's fun and it's exciting and and it can be it can break your heart too, right? Like this course we first started was in March. Middle of March, April, and, and then May, and then in, like, May, middle of May, we had a major freeze event, oh. right? It, like, it devastated a couple people's stuff, and it's like, ah! And so what we would do, you know, each you know each time we would meet on a Zoom call or at the local garden, I forgot to mention that, if you're in Louisville, we're meeting at JCC Community Gardens for these workshops. We're outside, we're at a community garden, we're helping their director over there, you know, convert their thought into a garden. So, like, you're getting the hands-on stuff. Um, but because of COVID, everything was on Zoom initially. And we always talk about our, our, our successes and our failures, right? Because some things are just kind of, like, laughable or they're out of your hands, you know, or it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I'm glad I wasn't alone on that because you have these insecurities. Anytime you start a new job, it's the same thing. Like, you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of the same. Like, there's a lot of unknowns. And I think that's the benefit of having, like, a local mentor, too. It's like, you can bounce stuff off each other, and, oh, my God, did that happen to your place? Did you get on that rain? Or whatever, you know? It's a life that's nice support. That's been a big component of it, just to have the support. Definitely. Such <laughs> so, a- yeah, it's, it's been a real pleasure, for sure. I'm so glad that you've decided to do this and share this because this isn't even a thing, a concept that I even heard of before I met you. And so now I'm seeing how important it is and how it can help so many people. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me on. What a blessing. I love talking about this stuff. I can take y'all hostage all night. I love it. 
like I said, <laughs> all your links will be listed in the show notes. So if anyone is interested in connecting with Marlena Wolf, you can just look in the show notes and find her there. So thank you for joining and for just teaching us all this beautiful information. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. bye guys. Bye. All right, everyone, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you feel as inspired as I do right now to start a little garden yourself. Check out your hardiness zone and then buy some seeds and then begin, you know? I know that I'm an impatient person, so I'm just going to start small. Marlena said that radishes have a 30-day turnaround, so that's where I'm going to (laughs) start. I just know myself, and then I'll see how good it feels to grow my own food. And if you end up doing it too, start your garden with me. Send me pictures on Instagram, and we can do it together. All my links are listed in the show notes. We have my Instagram, my Facebook, and my website for you to book your free consultation to work with me. And yeah, other than that, that's it. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and I'll see you next time. Bye!